بسم الله بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وله أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته. How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So, uh, inshallah ta'ala, we're continuing with the ayah in which Allah ta'ala says, بَعَدِ عَوْذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ كَلَّا بَلْ تُكَذِّبُونَ بِالدِّينِ Abu Ja'far, uh, there's another reading of it that says, كَلَّا بَلْ يُكَذِّبُونَ بِالدِّينِ So, uh, it could be translated as, no, but you deny a deen, the recompense. It's one translation. Or it could be, no, they deny. This is another reading of it. Wallahu ta'ala alim bisawab. But the most common is what? كَلَّا بَلْ تُكَذِّبُونَ Rather, you deny the deen. And we're going to translate what that means. So, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had mentioned what? Had mentioned what that uh, Allah ta'ala has assembled you in such a way and, uh, f- uh, and, and formed you and fashioned you in such perfection, with such balance, with uh, such symmetry, uh, uh, with so much care. And then Allah ta'ala is saying, no, and yet you still deny this deen. So, first and foremost, we have to ask ourselves, what does the word deen mean? Deen comes from, from the root word dain. Uh, dain is a debt. Dan, that means to repay someone what you owe. And therefore, Yawm al-Din means the day that everybody is repaid. Hence, the day of recompense. That's a one very straightforward uh, uh, perspective. But also, a deen can also mean a way of life. Your deen, deen al-Islam, right? Your deen is your Islam. And one of the reasons for that is because your way of life is to constantly pay what you owe. In the sense that we owe people for our lives. In your life, you're going to owe sometimes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You owe your daily prayers, you owe your zakah, you owe uh, your sawm, Ramadan, etc. You owe to your family. You have certain huquq, certain rights they have over you, your spouse, your friends, your community, etc. Even to your own health, you, have, you owe your body to take, care of, uh, to take care of yourself. This is reminiscent of the hadith uh, that we know from Salman al-Farisi, who he says, حَقَّهُ, That uh, always remember to what? Fulfill the rights of all those who have rights over you. And this was a statement that was uh, affirmed by the Prophet later on. So in other words, you could take this as a hadith that the Prophet is affirming. Yes, indeed, you have to give everybody their due rights. And so this is why the deen of Islam is to give everybody the deen that they have over you. You can look at it from that perspective. So what is this verse implying? No, rather you are denying this deen can mean two things. One, you are denying judgment day. In other words, Allah Ta'ala designed you for a greater purpose. Just the same way He designed you and fashioned you so precisely and meticulously. This wasn't all abathan. You know, this wasn't just for nothing. This wasn't just for uh, wastefully. Rather, it was so that you could worship him and then ultimately so that you could attain paradise. That is the ultimate goal behind all of this. So will you deny judgment day and affirm purposelessness? Is this what you're doing? So Allah Ta'ala is saying, how could you possibly do this? And the second perspective is what? How can you deny the deen of Islam? How can you deny the deen, the way of life of Islam? Why, what makes this, uh, uh, this so remarkable is that the previous ayat, we're talking about the human body is designed with an incredible intricate system, which begs the question, if your whole body is systematized, how can you deny that there's an optimal system of life that you should adopt? You see how beautiful? Look at the, the continuity. If you pay attention to the, just the previous three ayat, all three of them were saying what? Look at the way you're designed and how you have an incredibly uh, 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 comprehensive system. And those of you who are in the medical field know this even better. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. We talked about how there's, you know, uh, 11 different uh, systems going on in the body, right? Digestive system, reproductive system, nervous system, and so on and so on, uh, respiratory system, and et cetera, et cetera. All these systems are working harmoniously together. Are you seriously going to deny that Allah has sent you down a system of life, a way to manage society and humanity? How could you possibly do so? Another way of asking this question is to say what? Allah gave you an unfathomable, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you an unfathomably complex system, i.e. your body, 
and yet you deny his system of life for you. It's, he's the one who made the body. You didn't make your own body. So he's the one who gives, giving you an optimal system, how to operate it. Eat halal, don't eat haram, for instance. You know, these are the, you, know you have to, don't just sleep all morning. You have to wake up for fajr, for example, etc., etc. This is the system I'm giving you. I'm the one who gave you this body. You should ob- apply the system I am giving you. It's been my personal observation that it's very common, subhanAllah, this is just a personal observation, that uh, I've noticed that there are several people who they become interested in Islam and I notice that as they're asking questions about Islam, they're in really great physical shape. And it's it's just been a a common theme that I've noticed several times in my life, that there's this person who's in really good shape, they're really well-spoken, they seem very educated, and then they start asking questions about Islam. And what I find out is that they realized that they needed to have an ordered structure and a system in their lives. And so they start to focus on certain obvious systems. For example, I need to have a routine when it comes to my school. I need to study properly. I need to have certain hours for the library. And they start doing better in school. And you can see they're very educated in the way they speak and they're very confident and so forth. And then you see that they're in good shape. Why? Because they have now created a good routine for their body. But then the, and they eat healthy, etc. But then they wonder... I have a system for everything. What is my spiritual system? Am I going to deny my spirituality? This is, it's, it's a part of my life. It's something that I can't deny. There is an element of spirituality to the human experience. It's all throughout human history. So how can I deny this? And therefore, what is my system for spirituality? And then, subhanAllah, lo and behold, that leads them to question Islam, question, uh, ask, question about, uh, ask, ask questions about Islam, and alhamdulillah, ultimately leads them to embracing Islam. I've noticed this many times. Just as there is a physical dimension to Allah's system, He informs us of the unseen system uh, of preserving all of our deeds through the systematic writing of the angels. That's what's coming up in the next three ayat, ayah number 10, 11, and 12. And what's also interesting is that what specifically are the disbelievers denying? Allah Ta'ala doesn't mention it. You're denying this deen, that's a very sort of, you could say, broad. You could say that, okay, it could be Judgment Day or it could be the deen of Islam. But you can also look prior to this and look at the surah before and how uh, surah uh, Taqweer ended. Surah Taqweer ended with ayah number 22 saying what? The disbelievers were claiming that the Prophet was majnoon. This is your denial. This is a more, more detail of how you're denying this deen by saying that the Prophet is majnoon in ayah number 22. In ayah number 24, the Prophet is withholding information. Bi'adlanin. He is, he is withholding information. And now the, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, this is what you are claiming. This, and this is false. Number three is that ayah number 25, that the words of the Prophet are from shaitan. These are all the different accusations that they made in the previous surah and in ayah number 29, that the disbelievers are in full control. And Allah is saying you're not in full control. So subhanAllah, you can see a sort of comprehensive detailing of what all the false claims that they have, all the false ideas they have, and then this new surah right after it is coming and saying, this is your denial. This is sort of a comprehensive way of describing it. Or you could look at the, the ayat previous to this. So from ayat 1 to 3, it was describing what? If the universe became chaotic, you would panic. Right? Remember, uh, the whole beginning of the surah is talking about the universe falling apart. What does that imply? If the universe is falling apart and you're panicking, it implies that you appreciate the order and the symmetry, even if you don't act like it. And in ayat 7 and 8, if your body became chaotic, you would panic. If you became sick, if you started falling apart, you would panic. What does that imply? You appreciate its order and harmony, even if you don't act like it. So you already appreciate the order and symmetry that you find in the universe and within yourself. So then Allah Ta'ala in ayah number 9 is now asking, all within the exact same surah, stop pretending it's all meaningless. It, that you're clearly lying. Stop pretending it's all just chaos. SubhanAllah, the way this is put together is beautiful. Then the next ayah, Allah says, وَإِنَّ عَلَيْكُمْ لَحَافِظِينَ 
and indeed appointed over you are keepers. Hafilin are preservers, people that preserve. So who are these people? What is this referring to? Hafilah means to guard something so it doesn't go to waste, to keep track of something. Hafilin means that they never take a break, they never get tired, they never miss anything. These are referring to who? The malaika, the angels that are constantly writing down everything that you do of good and bad. Now the expected sentence would be what? That's what you would expect as a sentence. Which means what? There are preservers that are over top of you. But Allah Ta'ala says, So this is very specific. So first of all, there's an inna, which is لِتَأْكِيد, it's for emphasis. And then instead of saying, Allah Ta'ala switches it, and this makes it the taqdeem. Uh, this is taqdeem, it's making it come faster. Why? To give it even more emphasis. Not hafizuna alaykum wa inna alaykum la hafizin. The switching of the order makes it more emphasis. And then la hafizin, the lam here, lam lit ta'kid. So three layers of emphasis. For sure, indeed, without a doubt, there are malaika watching over you and recording everything. Why so much emphasis? Why three? Wallahu ta'ala a'lam, some uh, hypothesize that perhaps the triple emphasis is to remind you before you do an action, during the action, and then after the action, you are constantly being closely monitored and watched. And everything is being recorded very precisely. So perhaps, well, Adam, this is just one way of looking at it, that why triple emphasis? Because these are things that we regularly and easily forget. You go, you go on in your life and you forget that you're being monitored. So three emphasis, why? Before you do an action, while you're doing the action, after doing the action, one, two, three times, don't forget you are being observed and everything is being recorded. May Allah Ta'ala forgive us for our shortcomings. I mean, so keepers of what? Keepers of this deen, this, or this, this, this account, this reward or punishment. Yawm al-deen, this day of accounting. That's what they are preparing for, uh, as was mentioned in the previous verse. There are many different ayat that refer to this, which goes to show how often we forget. وَهُوَ الْقَاهِرُ فَوْقَ عِبَادِهِ وَيُرْسِلُ عَلَيْكُمْ حَفَظَةً حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَ أَحَدُكُمْ الموت توفته توفته رسلنا وهم لا يفرطون. Allah Taala says, and He is the subjugator over His servants, and He sends over you guardian angels until when death comes to one of you, our messengers take him, and they do not fail in their duty. So, in other words, Allah is saying there are half of Allah, these angels that are recording, and they never fail to take your soul at the right time. Allah says also that's in Surah An'am. Also, you find in Surah Zukhruf, أم يحسبون أن لا نسمع سرهم ونجواهم or do they think that we hear not their secrets and their private conversations? Yes, we do, and our messengers are with them recording. Allah also says in Surah 50, Surah Qaf, Ayah number 18, Man does not utter a single word except that with him is an observer prepared to record. So many ayat describing what? That these angels are over you. So there's a constant need of reminder that we, we constantly need reminder of this. But then Allah Ta'ala gives the next ayah, which is describing these angels. Kiraman katibin. Subhanallah. Earlier, we noticed that Allah Ta'ala described, uh, described himself, Rabbik al Karim, that Allah Ta'ala, He is noble and generous. Now we have what? Kiraman katibin. That these angels, they are noble as well. So it's very interesting the continuity here. So why does Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala specify that these angels are, that are recording are noble? What is the benefit here? Because obviously, if they're recording, they're recording. I mean, you know, if the job is done, why do I need to know that they're noble? Seems like an interesting question. Well, if they weren't noble, they might undercut certain people. They might lie, play favorites, maybe have biases. They might omit information. They might get lazy. They might cut corners. They might do a bad job. No, nobility ensures the job's integrity. They're going to do it perfectly. Why? That shows nobility. Another reason, well, first of all, the, the nominal form, not yaktubun, but katibin, the fa'il, 
form implies what? That they're writing constantly. That means they never quit. They never stop. It's not yaktubun, the, the, the verb, the fi'l. It's the fa'il. So it's the nominal form. So it's constant. This is the, an important point. Remember this. How sad. How sad if the angels, who are characterized by their pristine nobility, are forced to constantly write down our vulgarities, as we cannot even go a few seconds without saying a swear word. Think about that from that perspective. Think about how many of us, how many unfortunately from our youth, or even from us as adults, do we speak, do we say, do we behave in such a vulgar way, all of this constantly being recorded by who? Just angels? No. Kiram and katibin, Noble, noble recorders, noble uh, 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 keepers of our information. So subhanAllah, always remember, every time you swear or speak about filthy things, you should know that you are forcing the dignified, honorable angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to write down words that do not befit their nobility. They rec- but also remember this, also remember this, alhamdulillah, they record your mistakes, but they also record your tawbah as well. So never, never think to yourself, I'm beyond uh, redemption. Never think of yourself that, yes, I've done so much filth that I can never go back. Alhamdulillah, they record the bad, but they also record the good. So there's always opportunity for tawbah, inshallah ta'ala. Side point here, but I think it's a very interesting one. I once had a discussion just recently, actually, not too long ago, with a, somebody, who, he was a Buddhist, and he actually spent time at a, a Buddhist convent, like a temple thing, and spent like a, more than a year, I believe, at this Buddhist convent. So he was actually a serious Buddhist. And he was like, I don't really have a firm belief in God, you know? We don't really focus on that very much. But we do believe in karma, okay? So this was, you know, sort of his spiritual perspective. And I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't identify as necessarily religious, but they would identify as spiritual. And when you ask them, what does that mean? They would say, well, I don't really necessarily believe in a personal God, per se, but I definitely believe in karma. And what, is it, what does karma mean? Right? That, that, that you get what you give, right? What goes around comes around, right? It's that sort of concept of karma. Now, the question is, how exactly does karma work without God? That's my question. How does karma work without God? For instance, as a Muslim, if I help somebody out that's in need, and then I receive help at a time when I'm feeling desperate, I affirm that this happened by Allah's will, fulfilling the statement in which the Prophet ﷺ said, وَمَنْ يَسَّرَ عَلَى مُعْسِرٍ يَسَّرَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ The Prophet ﷺ said what? In Sahih Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ said, and whoever gives ease to somebody in hardship, Allah will give him ease in this life and in the next life. So I affirm that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows my full circumstances, knows my intention, knows why I did the good deed that I did, why I helped that person out, and then therefore, weeks later, months later, whatever the case is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can harmonize and can organize my life in such a way where when things are going wrong, when I'm having difficulty, Allah ta'ala can say, don't worry, I am going to fix and adjust the situation so that things become easy for you as well. From my theological standpoint, no problem. However, if the spiritual person helps somebody in need, who exactly is responsible to record that good action? And more specifically, the good intent behind that good action. Is some sort of force out there constantly paying close attention to your needs and then one day when you're feeling desperate, this thing, whatever it is, this force, ensures that everything in your context will align so that your needs are met? Do you guys see what I'm getting at? It's very bizarre to not just say, look, at the end of the day, you're talking about an all-knowing and an all-powerful personal creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're talking about God. So to dodge this and to say, well, I'm just spiritual. I don't really necessarily believe in a God, but I kind of like believe in karma. I kind of believe if you do good, good's going to come back to you. 
Who ensures all this? Who is organizing all this? Have you thought about it? And I genuinely think that there's a lot of them who really haven't taken the time to ask themselves these important questions. The final ayah uh, that, inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to mention for tonight is what? يَعْلَمُونَ مَا تَفْعَلُونَ They know whatever you do. In other words, in the last verse, Allah Ta'ala mentioned and we learned that they are noble and will thus maintain integrity. Here Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is addressing the other potential way that they may falter by missing something. But Allah Ta'ala is saying, A, they will not falter out of some sort of, uh, uh, you know, um, lack of nobility, of, of cheating or, or, you know, being lazy. And at the same time, they won't miss anything because what? يَعْلَمُونَ مَا تَفْعَلُونَ They know exactly what, what you are doing. فَعَلَ means to do, which is more detailed than amila. Amila means to work something which, is, which uh, has very firm intent. You're doing very consciously. Fi'l is something you do sometimes consciously and sometimes it could just be unconscious. So a fi'l implies every little action. You know, every little detail, they're going to catch it. The angels uh, record the actions, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who knows the intentions. He is the one who is the best of preservers. He knows every last little detail. As Allah says, فَاللَّهُ خَيْرٌ حَافِظًا Indeed, Allah ta'ala is the best of guardians. Obviously, all of this is underneath Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's system. So if, somebody, so if someone presents their deeds on judgment day, and Allah ta'ala knows that they harbored evil intent, it could be that their deeds are going to be scattered like dust. As Allah ta'ala mentions, فَجَعَلْنَاهُ هَبَاءً مَنْثُورًا And we make them as dust dispersed. Yes, you did the good deed but it was not with the right intent and so therefore all those deeds are going to be like dust we know the famous hadith of the three people who said Ya Allah, I uh, uh, was a scholar for your sake no, you were a scholar so that people could be say oh, you big fancy guy, what a big shot you're so impressive and everybody praised you so you have nothing with me you got the praise that you wanted as for it was the, uh, the scholar, the, uh, uh, the generous man who gave lots of money Ya Allah, I did it for your sake no, you said it, you, did, you gave all your money so people would pat you on the back and be impressed with you you got all the praise, now you have nothing with me. And same thing with the mujahid. You just did it so that the people would call you brave. And that's all you get. And so, uh, subhanAllah, may Allah protect us from insincerity. And uh, yes, uh, of course the Prophet says what? مَنْ هَمَّ بِحَسَنَةٍ فَلَمْ يَعْمَلْهَا كُتِبَتْ لَهُ حَسَنَةً That whoever intends a good deed but didn't do it, he'll still get a good deed recorded for him. SubhanAllah, this is the mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he who intended a good deed and does it, he can get 10 to 700 times uh, 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 that deed recorded for him based on the intent and sincerity and so forth. SubhanAllah, this is the mercy of Allah. And whoever intends an evil deed but he did not commit it, then uh, uh, no entry was made against him. But if he committed that deed, then he gets recorded against him one. This is in Sahih Muslim. SubhanAllah, this is the mercy of Allah. And I'm going to close, inshallah, final point about this ayah is the question that many of us may ask, which is what? Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appoint an angel or angels to record if he knows everything and doesn't need them to begin with. What's the need? What's the necessity? Wallah ta'ala a'lam, maybe there's multiple answers, but one answer that I think is uh, uh, quite uh, reasonable and uh, Allah knows best, is that perhaps because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that he's speaking to who? Disbelievers of Quraysh in this particular case, but it could mean disbelievers in, in general, but in this particular context, the Quraysh, they are rejecting Islam because what? They think the masses aren't Muslim. The Muslims are just a small minority. The masses aren't Muslim, and I would like to follow the crowd. Many people, they like to follow the crowd, right? They just assume that, you know, herd mentality, if everybody's going in a certain direction, they must be right. And another reason is what? The Muslims aren't from the upper class, especially at the time of the Prophet that, you know, the upper class noblemen were from the disbelievers, whereas the Muslims, especially during the time of Mecca, were from amongst the lower class financially, and they care a lot about status. It's as if Allah Ta'ala is saying what? The masses of the angels are with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, are with the Messenger and with the believers. So, uh, uh, and they are 
the bigger in, they are bigger in number and they are more noble. So never get it twisted. SubhanAllah. Wallah ta'ala adam. Perhaps there are other reasons as well, but I thought that that was sufficient, inshallah ta'ala, for tonight. And with that, inshallah ta'ala, I close. And hopefully we'll finish next week, bi idhnillah ta'ala. We'll be able to close up this surah. And may Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. Zabdal khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala. Wa barakatuh.